0: Thank mm-hmm. time for necromaniacs this week it's me mike hill and mike scendato bringing you this week's uh report on all things horrific how you doing mike
1: i am well what's up everybody uh welcome back it is good to be here beautiful month of march weather's getting a little better my mood is getting a little better so yeah i'm uh i'm happy to be here tonight and i uh, happy to discuss tonight's film. The last time Mike and I were together, uh, we talked about uh, a 70s satanic gem race with the devil, which was a, a lot of fun to discuss. And uh, if you were paying attention during that conversation, uh, we referenced the film that we'll be covering tonight, kids. And of course, that is The Devil's Reign. <laughs>
0: yeah we were talking about doing like a, a little series on devil movies, so this is uh, one of my favorites, um you know, and I haven't oh, yeah. seen it several times, you know, and uh definitely looking forward to talking about it. but uh before we get into it let's uh let's review what we were uh what we've been checking out over the last couple of weeks
1: yeah um i I got back on the horse <laughs> um with Vikings because I, I, I kind of jumped off the horse and I got back on the horse with Vikings. It's just such a fun, enjoyable show, you know. I'm I'm real into the Viking stuff, you know. I, I love me some Enslaved, and it just, watching it makes me think of, like, you know, the Enslaved, it's like best records, you know what I'm saying? Frost and Eld and The Split with Emperor, so it just kind of puts me in that, in that mind frame. And, uh, yeah, I mean... There's a lot. I mean, there's like six, seven seasons or whatever, and I know that the final season just kind of wrapped up. But you know, I've stayed away from spoilers, which has been good. Um, And aside from that, I've actually uh, attempted to get (laughs) to restart Twin Peaks, and then just rethought about it, and went, you know what? I I don't I don't need to rewatch all Twin Peaks. I love Twin Peaks uh but What I've done is I've backtracked on Better Call Saul ah, yeah, because okay. All um, right. I missed—I didn't see any of season five. Okay, the, the most recent season, and my shaky memory on season four made me rewatch season four. So I am now at the midpoint of season four, of Better Call Saul, and goddamn, I love this show. It's such a fucking good show. Um, Yes, it is quite different from Breaking Bad, but I think it retains a a lot of Breaking Bad's cool elements and just good, just the quality acting and quality writing. You know what I'm saying? Like compelling characters and, you know, it has a a cool crime element. But aside from that, it just has, I don't know, it just has something to it that makes me just want to not stop watching it. Like I I could watch it on through the night. I don't
0: know why. I just really enjoy it. I saw the first season, I really liked it, but I, I need to, I just, one of those things, man, like I, I saw the first season, I mm-hmm. thought it was good, and then like I must have gone away or something like that, and I just never picked it up again, but I want to go back hmm. and check it out for sure.
1: I would probably recommend re, maybe re-watching season one, if, yeah, if that, that happened.
0: that That's yeah. what I was probably going to do, yeah.
1: Like, I, I've, I've done that myself, you know, where if season one is a little shaky or I think I watched it or, you know, it, it's kind of good to just have that clean slate all over again, I guess. But uh, aside from that, on the musical front, I've been listening to like a lot of like, you know, back in my thrash metal phase, like a, a lot of like Exodus, <laughs> okay. um, I go through these phases. Like I'm listening to the first three Exodus records for some reason. Um, it's just the, the riffs, man, that like the rips and just like the, the vibe kind of stays with you, you know, uh, something about like the late eighties thrash, uh, Exodus and creator. And, you know, I mean, even Metallica, like I picked up those, those, uh, controversial walmart color of vinyl reissues that some people are very upset about because we were at walmart but whatever i think people forget that metallica isn't a basement band anymore but that's a whole other topic of conversation um metallica walmart isn't really that big a deal folks it really isn't metallica are one of the biggest bands in the world so it's really not a big deal and also uh, the people who buy vinyl at walmart live nowhere near a cool indie record store so maybe if you thought of it that way you wouldn't be so upset about people buying vinyl at walmart now
0: with that out of the way uh yeah i've been on a, a, a late 80s thrash metal kick people are really upset about that like they they make they are yeah, uh, bummed like,
2: the vinyl
1: snobs. like i'm I belong to a couple of, you know, uh, groups on Facebook, like serious vinyl heads and like old school metal heads. And yes, some, some people like the the big vinyl people were not happy about it and mocking it and mocking people, taking pictures of, of the the Metallica color vinyl. I'm like, fuck you. I'm like, I'm 47. I don't give a shit. Like, I think it's great. And I think it's great that they all sold like wildfire. And I think it, it says a lot, you know what I'm saying? That these four records are still extremely valid, and I think it's great. It's, vinyl is, is helping musicians. It's helping the music industry. You know, Mike and I are musicians. We don't want to see the music industry in the toilet. So I kind of look at it from a different way. You know, um, I have friends who own record labels, run record labels. I don't want to see anybody who has any type of music business, especially on the, the indie front, hurt. Now, Metallica are not an indie band, and they're not, you know, Walmart is not an indie chain at all. But as I said, record
0: stores are kind of hard to find in a lot of the country. Would you agree, Mike? 100%. I mean, in the last 20 years, like, mad record stores have, like, closed. You know, it's just, exactly. you know, everyone orders shit online nowadays, and they, you know, which is, right. like, it's bad for the uh, record store economy, you know.
1: true and if Walmart has a a big vinyl section which I'm in Brooklyn, New York there are no Walmarts so I couldn't even tell you what the vinyl section looks like but if they have a a considerable vinyl section and they're stocking metal how the fuck am I going to shit on that hell I'd buy it from there if I could you know do I of course support small record stores absolutely I support them all the time I buy from small distros all the time But when it comes to metallica you can't put metallica in the same mind frame as mole you know what i'm saying metallica is not blood incantation okay it's fucking metallica so you know let it be <laughs> rant over
0: <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah you keep it's it's almost like a moot point these days man you know what i'm trying to say
1: Yeah, (laughs) so yeah, that's
0: what I've been, that's what I've been listening to and and watching this past week or so. You know, just real quick about Twin Peaks. It's, uh, for me, it's episode two of the first season that I, if I, if you were to like, what's your favorite Twin Peaks episode, it's that one.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. Now, why? You got to say why? Oh, well, it's, you know, it's got the, the, the guy with one arm, you know? it's mm-hmm. got the ending with the midget, you know, the dream yeah. sequence. That's um, right. It
1: kicks it kind of kicks it into gear fully, really. Yeah,
0: it it kind of sets the, you know, you you're you're in that world and it that world kind of really goes full on in in uh episode 2. You mm. And um you're right. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, you know, gratuitous uh oh uh, what the hell's her name, man? Um uh, Charlin Stone? Yep. I gratuitous, gratuitous Sherilyn Fenn dancing, which is cool to some like bizarre jazz music. It's got all black coffee, you know, Agent Cooper and his black coffee. It's like the whole thing is right Mm -hmm. there, man. It's like my favorite shit. I got to tell you, I I have I think I have a crush on like every woman on the show. I got
1: to be honest. Um, I mean, I I dig them all.
2: Uh, Well, maybe not all,
1: but she's so stunning and so pretty. Um, and it's funny. I, was, I I, had to, I wanted to look up why she uh, was not in, um, the third season, what do you call it? And basically she was doing something else and they kind of screwed her a little bit. Like she kind of felt like they could have been somewhat more common. Like it wasn't like completely out of the question that she couldn't do it. The, 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 I'm not sure, I can't remember what the other thing was that she was doing at the time, uh, you know, she was working working actress. Um, but they ultimately were just like oh well you know what, we're, you know we're, we're going to write you out of it and that's what they did and that kind of sucks because as you're watching season one she's fucking an essential character you know, and for her to not be in the prequel film kind of sucks
0: I agree man like I, I, she was definitely missed when they did Firewalk with me. But aside from that, Firewalk with me is great. I love that movie. Oh no, I, I love it too, and I, I want to get that that Blu-ray uh, that you know edition that has a bunch of the extra
1: stuff on it. Because um, I, I used to watch that movie all the time when I was an usher in a, in a movie theater back in '92 when I was in junior college, and uh, I had not watched the TV show. But watching that movie was just like, I was like, holy shit. It made me really wish I watched the TV show back then. Um, And
0: and so, you know, I I got back. I got on the horse later on in life. I mean, as much as I love that show, I didn't watch it until the late 90s, man. I Because Hmm. I didn't, (laughs) during that part of my life, I didn't have a TV. Like an, or I lived, I lived in places where there was no, we didn't have television, so we were just there was no cable or anything like that. We were just you know on that fringe lifestyle uh, situation. Mm. So I didn't, I would have to go to some girl's house or something like that to watch it, or someone else's house that's got like you know cable or regular TV or anything.
1: So. Yeah, in like ninety and ninety one, when Twin Peaks was on regular television. It was all about Lamore and CBGBs and the band Confusion I was in and, and the girl I was dating and TV meant nothing to me. So that's probably why I wasn't watching uh, Twin Peaks back then. Uh, I was not was barely watching any TV at all back then. It was music, music, music and shows and girls. That's that's it. So <laughs> that, that's
0: why I didn't find Twin Peaks till later. I used to have a, a VHS collection <laughs> of the entire series. Um, but you know, I bought it, like, I, I, have a, you know, that, that gold box version that came out yeah, you know, yeah, like 15 yeah. oh, years yeah, ago cool. or, or Yeah. But I, I mm-hmm. the original, the original, uh, media that I had was, uh, was VHS of the first of the first two seasons there. Nice. So what have you been checking out, Mike Hill? Well, I've discovered a show on Hulu called Monsterland. Have you heard of that? Called what's it? Monsterland. Monster Land, no. Huh. It's pretty good. It's almost like, um, I'm not going to say they're like Twilight Zones, but they're each, each episode is a standalone story. And so far i watched two of them. And it's quite good. Mm-hmm. And it's like some weird, there's always, it, there's definitely horror. And there's uh-huh. like some novel idea. It's not, like you, it's not like, okay, these are about werewolves or zombies or whatever. There's always some kind of twist to the stories, which I really enjoy. You know, like, and uh, yeah, I they I, I, already it's canceled. Like, they're not doing it anymore. So it's only that one season. Man, but uh, good lord, yeah, it's pretty good. I, you know, like I said, I've only seen two episodes, and I really like both of them. So I'm going to continue watching it. And um, um, uh, it's American. Yeah, it's American. It's you'll, you'll recognize some of the actors in it for sure. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, awesome. You know, there's been a lot of talk about um, "Don't Look Now," the 1973 uh, Nicholas Roeg, Roeg film. You know? Yeah,
1: man, that's another one, man. I, I, God damn,
0: I, I've been saying I want to
1: watch that. I think I'm just gonna watch it.
0: I'm gonna watch it. Maybe I will watch it tonight. Yeah, no, I agree, man. It's great. You know, Donald Sutherland. You know, it's like uh, people people say that it inspired or influenced "Hereditary," and I, I can kind of see that because you know it has to do mm. with loss and like the family dynamics. I don't think. They're similar films, but, you know, some of the way that they deal with family dynamics and just, like, the stress in families and darkness and that kind of stuff, I can see that being an influence on Hereditary. hmm And then uh, there's uh, the third season of The Sinner. Have you seen that? No. I highly recommend it. It's, like, definitely horror-adjacent, you know, but it has... Okay. Yeah, you know, there's three seasons. at USA put it out. It's on Netflix. Bill Pullman plays a cop. There's so there's like, you know, that kind of investigation. Um You know, there's like a lot. You don't really know what the hell's going on until the end. There's like a, uh, you know, there's a an aura of the macabre. I would say about about the storylines. And uh, though though it's not horror, but there's like, you know, violence, gruesome death. Like, stuff like that, you know what I mean? Hmm, okay. No, it sounds cool. Yeah. And then uh, for music, uh, just uh, something I actually am really excited about, which I'm probably going to pre-order, is um, Terror Vision's putting out, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things, like uh, a reimagined score. I read about it in uh, Rue Morgue, the most recent issue. A reimagined
2: score? Oh, wow.
0: Yeah, it's like the film score, like there's edits, it has like dialogue from the movie, and it's... um, from what I what I can gather from what I read, it's almost like this kind of weird ambient atmospheric sort of record, you know, That that's the film score. So I want to check that out. I'm going to probably pre order that. Awesome. Oh, that sounds cool. Um, on the horror vinyl front, kids, um,
1: I just got from uh, Waxworks the haunting of Bly Manor.
2: Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm.
1: Uh, Vinyl, which is sold out, and the, and the second press of the Halting of Hill House vinyl, which is also sold out. I wasn't even aware that they did a first press, so I jumped all over that second press. So both of those are gone. Uh, and Waxworks been having a lot of home runs lately. And now, something I ordered in July, uh, I just got the email that it is on its way to me Rob Zombie Halloween 1 and 2 vinyl from Waxworks. Uh, they had so many issues apparently putting these two records out uh that they have thrown in a free slip mat for everyone who orders one or the other uh, especially if they pre-ordered it and the people who pre-ordered it eight million years ago got like some kind of coupon that i I still have not received 25 percent off coupon but they are finally done and uh i'm I'm excited to get them because i actually really like the music in uh rob zombie's halloween one and two he picked some cool stuff and especially part one has some awesome stuff on it. You know, it's got misfits and other cool shit. So, yeah, ne- never before on vinyl for either one of those. And uh, I also have uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer on pre-order from them, also making his uh, first time on vinyl since 1990. Uh, Dude, so it's semi
0: premiere. I didn't even realize there was a score in that movie. I thought it was just like silence through the whole film. There's minimal music. It, it's
1: not a ton of music on this thing. Uh, it's funny you say that. You're not the first person who said that to me. Um, there is minimal music in it, uh, and yeah, that, that's what made it onto this soundtrack. And there was an actual vinyl soundtrack back in 1990. Um, that's very hard to come by, and they they find you know they got the rights to, to put it out now. And uh, yeah, so yeah, you know, as you people can tell. We, we like the horror soundtracks here on the Necromaniacs podcast.
0: <laughs> One of the creepiest things about that movie, I thought, was the lack of a score. Which is so funny that they released a, a vinyl version of the score. But there is, if you if you remember, uh, Malevolent Creation
1: samples on the beginning of Retribution. That music, uh, that creepy kind of keyboardish music, it's from Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer.
0: No wonder I didn't recognize it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's on, retrib- yeah, on Retribution, the very beginning of Retribution. Um, it, I it's, believe it's from Henry. So, excited to get that puppy.
0: <laughs> All right. So and
2: why don't, you tell, why don't you tell everybody,
0: Tombs just did a video, man. To, we'll plug. Yeah, it's, uh, we did a live uh, shoot recording Um that's going to come out on this, uh, like a digital, uh, festival, <laughs> which is, I don't, I don't know all the details about it, but, um, yeah, this, uh, this, this guy contacted the, our manager and he's like, uh, i am putting together this festival. Uh, we're going to, he gave us some cash. So we spent it on shooting, you know, and putting, trying to put together a decent package. And, uh, you know, and once again, like I don't, for these kind of things I want to do it. Like, so there's some kind of like quality to it. So we have like a multi cameras, multi-track recording, you know, like, you know, mixed, like instead of just some dude with like a cell phone or something, you know?
1: (laughs) No, exactly. You want, yeah. You want it to look good.
0: Yeah. You know, and, and that's, uh, I don't have any, any information about when it's coming out or who, what the other bands are actually. So it's, uh, uh, I wish I could say more about it. All I know, it was a lot of fun to uh, play. And, uh, you know, yeah, that, that's always like some, that's something that you and I both miss. And, uh, you know, we're hoping to get back into it at some point, maybe later this year. Yeah,
1: I know. Um, on uh, The Last Stand, Fruit, we have a brand new song coming out on what is basically the, the first New York Harker compilation in about 20 to 25 years uh, called Back to the Roots on uh, Pitchfork. Uh, hardware Records uh, It comes out April 27th On vinyl and digital And yeah, the name of our song Is called I Can't Look Back It's brand new, never released So we are excited about that And we have A, a split 12-inch Slash digital coming out With a band called One Choice in it's looking like June So uh, that should be called called From the East Coast To the West Coast uh we have the brooklyn band the last stand and we got the la band one choice so nice little nice little tribute to both uh war Zone and agnostic front and the little title there so yeah should be fun
0: right on man that's cool
1: mm. indeedy now ladies and gentlemen on to tonight's film man another fun fun 70s
0: repo movie huh mike yeah, definitely. And uh, I didn't realize people didn't really like this movie. That's because uh, I always thought it was great ever since I was a kid.
1: It's weird. I mean, if, when you put it against Race with the Devil, I mean, I don't know. There, there are parts about Race with the Devil that are definitely, I guess, better, you know. Um, I think the, the story is a bit stronger, Race with the Devil, but this movie, I think, has a lot of what I'm just going to call tonight satanic porn, right? Um, it's got like all the trappings that you want in your in your devil movie, like it, like it, the checklist is full. I feel like,
0: you no. Know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think this really this movie really captured my imagination when I was a kid. You know, I mean, there yeah, was, uh, and we get some of the the visuals. I uh, you know I was. You know, listening to Black Sabbath. This is like when I was like 12 or 13.
2: Right, you know yeah. I mean? It's
0: like I'm getting into all this, like, you know, reading Edgar Allan Poe and, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, Sabbath and, you know, listening to just metal in general or hard rock. And, um, and I think this movie, you know, on Saturdays, there'd be some afternoon, like, movie. Oh, yes. And mm-hmm. the first time I saw this had to have been like on some kind of Saturday afternoon film on Channel 11 or, you know, WPIX mm-hmm. or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I, when I saw it, you know, as a young kid, it scared me a little bit. You know, and that's I guess one of the uh, one of the criticisms that uh, Roger Ebert uh, made of this film was that it wasn't scary. But, you know,
1: <laughs> that's the thing. OK, this is a, a true classic 1975 Saturday afternoon movie. But when I say Saturday afternoon movie, I'm talking about in the eighties Saturday afternoon movie. Right, exactly. um, that's When I first saw this film as a kid of the eighties on a Saturday and it was pretty horrifying to watch. And it, it, Mike really summed it up. I mean, Mike's only a, a little bit older than me, but it's like the movie that you're just getting into heavy metal and this is on on maybe like a rainy Saturday, and it's kind of like just what the doctor ordered for a young kid in their imagination. <laughs> and, you know yeah, what you totally. think. You know the devil is, and Satanism is, and whatnot. Um, but it just so happens to have like a shit ton of stars in it that it, it might, you know, be unbeknownst to you as, as a young kid. You know, um, <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, this is literally one of the first things John Travolta ever did in his career. And it was 1975. Later that year, Welcome Back, Carter, his, his TV, big TV show, pre-Saturday Night Fever comes out. And uh, since movies played for a while back in the day, John Travolta barely speaks in this, but they threw his name on all like the upper credits after Welcome Back, Carter became a hit. And they put his name on the poster. His name would appear in the TV ads. His name would be on the box cover when it was released on home video in the 80s. So you literally were probably tricked into thinking this was a John Travolta movie uh, back in the day.
0: I couldn't even <laughs> identify him in the movie. Actually, I know I know he plays a character named Danny, but I, I couldn't. See, I, I didn't even find him in the movie.
1: Just towards the end, uh, you, the camera goes on his face several times towards the end. I, I definitely know who he is. Pretty <laughs> fucking funny, man. wow. That's funny. But uh, uh, this movie the director of this movie I have to say Robert Fouest. um I'm not sure hopefully I'm pronouncing his name correctly Fouest. Robert Fouest, who made uh, a movie I really love that I actually only saw just a few years ago and that is the abominable dr Fibes and dr fibes rides again uh are you a fan of those movies Rises again
0: I saw them like a like a back probably around the same time I originally saw this film but yeah it was whenever. In the 80s, anything that was horror related, I was going to watch. So, yes, I did see that, but a long, long time ago. And I haven't revisited it in a while.
1: Yeah, they're fucking great. You've got to rewatch them. Um, and apparently, uh, the star of those films is Vincent Price, of course. And he was up for the Corbus role, apparently. But uh, it went to Ernest Borgnine, who uh, I think was the right choice.
0: Well, I mean, I love Vincent Price. You know, uh, I liked his, uh, you know, Roger Corman, uh, Edgar Allan Poe extravaganzas, oh, yeah. and uh, it
2: would
0: it would be a totally different Corbus. And I agree that uh, that Bur- Bur- uh, Ernest Borgnine was definitely the right decision.
1: There's something about Ernest Borgnine. Ernest Borgnine plays this character Corbus, who's like the head devil guy, and he actually plays the devil himself as well in this movie. There's just something about him. When he talks and the way he delivers his lines, it's just uneasy, right? There's just something like cool and like badass and you never know what the
0: fuck he's going to do, right? Well, I'm a, I've always been a big fan of Ernest Borgnine, and he looks demonic in this film, for sure. He really does. <laughs> totally. So you, want, you, want to, you want to run down the cast just since we uh, we started talking about who's actually in the film, so um, because it does have quite a few uh, luminaries here.
1: It really does. Uh, so yeah, Devil's Rain, directed by Robert Fuest, produced by James Cullen and Michael Glick. Release date August seventh, nineteen seventy-five. Of course, big year: Race with the Devil and Jaws back in seventy-five. Yep. Uh, tight, eighty-five minutes. Uh, starring Ernest Borgnine as Jonathan Corbis, uh, Eddie Albert as Dr. Sam Richards, Star Trek's own William Shatner as Mark Preston, Tom Skerritt, the legendary Tom Skerritt as Tom Preston, uh, uh, actress Ida Lupino as Emma Preston, and Joan Prather as Julie Preston, and of course, Keenan Wynn as Sheriff Owens, And way on down, John Travolta as Danny, a man who may have either no lines or at least two lines. And the movie does, in fact, feature the one and only Anton LaVey uh, as one of the uh, evil luminaries. Anton LaVey, of course, the high priest of the Church of Satan, uh, which began back in 66, and he died in 1997. And, of course, the Church of Satan still lives on to this day.
0: Yeah, LeVay uh, is is has a a couple like a line or two in the movie too as well.
1: Yeah, he does. You can see him clear as day in at least three or four scenes. Uh, yeah. I watched it last night again, and I'm like, wow,
0: there he is. Yep, there he is. There
1: he is. Um, yeah, and, and he was you know he was on set, and apparently he was an advisor. Um, to what extent? I'm not entirely sure. There have been some some stipulations about how much of an extent of an advisor he was. Uh, I talked to Mike pre-show about uh, the very awesome Severn Blu- Blu-ray release of this movie that comes with this great interview with Tom Scarrett. And at the end of the interview, Tom Scarrett doesn't even know who Anton LaVey is. So <laughs> check, check out the interview to see what Tom Scarrett had to say about Anton LaVey, which is very strange because in another segment on the Blu-ray, they're talking to uh, Peter Gilmore the current high priest of the church of Satan. And they're showing literal pictures of Anton LaVey on the set and sitting with Shatner and sitting with Robert Frest. So it's just kind of a funny moment. But um, yeah, 1975, like I said, during the race with the devil podcast, I feel like this is the the key kickoff era of, of Satan stuff and satanic panic that would last literally about 10 years. No.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, in the 80s, the satanic panic got a little uh, more intense, you know, with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe um, life yeah. life uh, copying art in some ways.
1: I think so. I think all of the, the, the movies and like the post-hippie hangover uh, somehow jumped into snatching up kids and eating kids in the early 80s. I don't know how that happened, but, uh, you know. There, there, there have been books and documentaries and things written about how literally none of that happened, and people's lives were ruined over things like that. And there's that great, uh, there's a great HBO movie about it from the '90s uh, about the McMartin School in California. And wow, the whole thing was based on lies, and 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 it just yeah, it just kind of like ruined the lives of these people who own this like pre-K place like this you know for kids and oof wild shit
0: oh yeah that's the uh the you know the alleged uh satanic ritual abuse stuff
2: yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: but in the 80s though of course we had richard ramirez and then we also had uh, a lesser known uh maniac ricky casso out here yeah uh, i heard in the tri-state area (laughs) from, uh, from long island new york but ultimately
1: look Rich Ramirez was a fucking vile homeless maniac killer who liked heavy metal okay let's yeah, be honest
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um he could have liked classical music he, you know he liked heavy metal uh, Ricky queso I mean the guy was listening to DC for fuck's sake I mean he was some long Island drug addict like a, was he some crazy Satan guy I don't know about that I've read a few books about him and I feel like that case is is a is an example of exploitation of the ass. Um, you know, it was a bunch of Long Island druggy dudes listening to ACDC, You know, and it went went horribly wrong. That's so, my take. Still one
0: of my <laughs> still one of my favorite. Uh, oh of no,
1: it's still great. Still, yeah. still like the lore. You know, the the legacy and yeah. the lore Still pretty great. Um, and it doesn't change that someone was killed and. I mean, there are facts. There are facts about it, but how
0: satanic it was is, eh? I don't know. You know, up for debate. But I do know that I mean, because you know, I grew out. I grew up in the country. You know what I mean? I, I'm not uh, a you know urban uh, kid like you or Mike. You know, so I I had access to the woods and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I always remember in my excursions out into the forest finding weird shit like fucking upside down crosses and like, you know, yeah. like stuff like scrawled on rocks. And, you know, it, it was, uh, it was in the, the consciousness of people more, more in the eighties. I think that might've been like the beginning of like that kind of like mindset. I think, you know what I mean?
1: I agree. Um, you know, I grew up in Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn, you know, urban city, you know, kind of kid. But there was this one section where we would all BMX called the trails along the side of um, the Bell Parkway in like uh, in the 20s, like 21st Street, 28th Street. And I lived right there, lived a block away. And that was like the, the woods because it was the woods. And we would find weird porn. And we, w- we would also find some dead animals killed in a weird way every once in a while. And... Th- yeah, there was weird stuff in the '80s, and I think that's what made growing up in the '80s so fucking great. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna find like
0: don't think are that now. <laughs> you're not. You're definitely not gonna find a box of porno mags in the woods anymore. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. Woods porn is 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 gone, man. It's just <laughs> it's just it's a bygone era. You know what I'm saying? It, it's like uh, it's like a peep show. It's just gone. You know, It's just they don't exist anymore. But <laughs> That was what we got to, that was your exposure to weird shit sometimes uh, growing up as a kid in the 80s. Just, you know, it is what it is. They don't get into that on Stranger Things, though, do they, Michael?
0: No, they don't. I, if, I, <laughs> if I if you and I were writing Stranger Things, there would be a wood, a wood porn section.
1: A wood of the porn section, right? Come on, man. They got to do it. Now, that would be fucking something, you know? Or why is this cat mutilated hanging upside down from the tree? <laughs> you know that i i did see shit like that and then one day uh mid early 80s there was a dead body in a car and i think it was like a mob related hit and i remember like there was that there was a horrible smell that literally went up the block because and there was like a, you know 200 people looking at this car and the cops were you know off and they opened the trunk and like it was this really weird smell um so that's something else I never forgot
0: yeah yeah actually uh you know it might be you know back in the country <laughs> where I grew up <laughs> country <line. laughs> us us country folk yeah. um, <laughs> I remember not this is is not nearly as extreme as that but I do remember one summer smelling something right mm-hmm. and uh and I, you know I went into the woods and I tried to find out where the smell was coming from. When I, there was a, there was a dead raccoon out there and, uh, mm. and it was summertime. That's where the odor was coming from. But I remember every couple of days, like I would go back out and check out the dead raccoon and it was slowly decaying. And then
2: <laughs> a, while,
0: a while, like eventually the skull started showing and stuff like that. And it was, I
2: don't
0: know. yeah, it was pretty, pretty, um, like it, it was a weird fascination, you know what I mean? And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, then eventually, uh, I think I actually buried it after a while. I started getting uh, sad by it, and I, I buried it.
1: And I, one more animal sad metal related story is around <laughs> 1990. It's kind of kind of important in my in my life for some weird reason. 1990, I just discovered obituary. Right, one of my friends Johnny Zio told me how great they were, and I then we went. I saw them at Lamore, and it was fucking awesome. And you know, I was a hardcore kid, and I'm, I'm you know, walking home one day, and at the towards the, the end of my block, there's a cat just like a brand like a ran over cat, Ugh. and I'm listening to cause of death on my headphones, and it's just a, like some I don't know what like. It just made me think of death metal and death and horror and just like I just didn't. I don't know. It's just one of those weird things in your life that you just remember, and I and it just kind of I don't know what it was. It was just like one of those weird things. It just made me think of like death metal. I don't know why. I mean, it was hit by a car. It wasn't killed by some crazy cult or wasn't killed by. It was hit by a car, but. It just stuck with me, because I just, kind of just discovered this new evil music, you know, death metal. That's pretty metal, and, though. Uh, I, I would say that's a pretty yeah, it's metal. pretty for, metal. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm a cat lover, and I have a cat, and when I see that, I just, you know, I want to fucking break down. So, back then, I had no animals. <laughs> and I was it was not the pet lover I am today. Back then, I thought it was, oh, whoa, man, holy shit, metal, you know? <laughs> Oh, boy. But anyway, the devil's reign, kids. The, these tangents are why you're here. Come on. You, you got to love it. <laughs> um, a Satanist cult leader is burnt alive by the local church. He vows to come back to hunt down and enslave every descendant of his congregation by the power of the book of blood contracts in which they sold their souls to the devil. Now. This Satanist cult leader is Ernest Borgnine Corbis, of course. The family is the Preston family, and you've got a whole bunch of stars in the Preston family. You have William Shatner as Mark Preston. His brother is Tom Skerritt, Tom Preston. Uh, the mom, Ida Lupino, who appeared in all these film noir movies back in the day. Uh, she was down on her luck in the 70s, apparently. That's why she did this movie. She did it, she did it for the and then you have uh, Eddie Albert, who, who's another famous uh, actor from the 50s and 60s was in this movie. And, you know, you got a young Johnny T, man, b- before, <laughs> before Welcome Back, Connor, and uh, before Saturday Night Fever, just looking for his big break. And rumor has it, kids, that uh, he turned 21 on the set of this film and that Anton LaVey himself gave him a quote-unquote blessing uh, on the night of his birthday to had a little Little party for him on the set and then what would happen to john travolta after this blessing he goes on to be one of the biggest stars in the fucking world in the 70s so you never know and another little rumor about travolta in this movie is that this is the the, the, around exactly this time and apparently on the set
0: of this movie is when he found the book dianetics did you ever hear that i didn't know that about this about this period of his life that's interesting because he's like he's way into all that uh you know like uh yeah, you know, he, he's one of he's one of those guys, one of those Hollywood people that's into um, yeah. all that shit.
1: But you know, he's had a weird trajectory. Obviously, um, uh, varying levels of success. Now he's he's you know doing quite well now. But there was a, a time where his career was very dead, and then Pulp Fiction revived his career, and then he's had some some roller coaster things in his life. But uh, yeah, apparently this is he, he found dianetics and and, and possibly. Uh, that the church of scientology is far back as like 75 so who knows
0: you know uh william shatner uh cap captain kirk's appearance in this film uh really drew me in too when i was a kid cuz i was like a big oh, yeah. you know star trek fan like everyone else at that in my age group at that time
2: mm-hmm.
1: totally now was star trek had already kind of wrapped right but star trek was still popular i don't think it was there were new episodes by 75
0: I don't even but, know, man. All I, all I know is I watched it in syndication when I was a kid.
1: Oh, yeah. It was still huge. It, it, in the 70s, it was huge in syndication. And apparently, uh, uh, I read that he had to leave the set for a few days to do some cons, some Star Trek cons. So obviously, the shit was was popping off, you know,
0: in 75. <laughs> What, what are your uh, thoughts on on Will Shatner? I'm, I, I love him. I'm a huge fan. I like T.J. I Hooker, like all that shit, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was always, I would always say years ago, oh, no, I'm a Star Wars guy, not a Star Trek guy. But as I got older, I would watch Star Trek, and I went, you know what? I think I like Star Trek, too. And I've rewatched some of the, the the early movies. Some are not good. Some are good. And I'm like, you know what? I get it now. I like it. You know, I don't think I liked it as much as a younger man, but I like it now as an older man. And wow. I like him. He makes me, he cracks
0: me up. I was all about it, man. And and furthermore, all all of the spin-off uh, Star Treks are are pretty awesome too, man, for the most part.
1: I actually enjoy these those three new era ones from the 2000s. Yeah. I think they're fucking good action movies, man. They're oh, totally. really uh you know some people didn't like one of them whatever I'm like I don't know man I like all these fucking movies these are cool to me I think it's because I don't have that baggage I don't have I don't have Star Trek baggage Mike (laughs) I just I'm enjoying it it's futuristic it's sci-fi it's cool it's you know I I'm not the fanboy that that you know is holding it up against all this other shit so maybe that's why I'm enjoying it I don't know
0: yeah, no, I mean, I like next generation, like all that shit. You know, I watch all that stuff, man. You know, I think it's all good, my opinion. Totally, and it's
1: funny. I feel like it, the devil stuff, the the culty stuff, goes kind of hand in hand with the Star Trek stuff in a weird way. Um, they're they're like they're like cousin related, <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. yeah, I can see that. I mean, I know if you mean that a guy who likes uh, that type of stuff and likes comics and metal are related then yeah like it's yeah <laughs> it's all like one kind of thing really you know
1: i mean in that respect yes and in the 70s you know canon era they, they kind of go hand in hand too like of what was happening you know sci-fi was becoming a, a big cool thing and like the the devil horror was kind of having its own moment so to speak But uh, you had said before we started that, I mean, this movie was kind of panned, you know? Um, It didn't do, like, gangbusters. Uh, I don't have the actual money that it did. I mean, it wasn't a huge hit. Um, But I feel like people who see it now, like, you know, let's just say Metalheads. Metalheads are people (laughs) into devil stuff. (laughs) They don't see this movie. find things like oh shit this is a fun movie it's a cool movie it has that really fucking awesome title sequence at the beginning just like fucking uh reads With the devil does this is actual this one is even cooler actually it has this wonderful higher all the hieronymus bosch paintings and it's got fucking the creep music and it's got like the moaning the moaning thing is real fucking dark no
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. This movie really is like like has a lot of atmosphere to it. Like it seems like an evil you're building up to this evil kind of storyline, you know, and it just gives you that that satisfaction, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um the movie, I mean, apparently they had 8 weeks to shoot it,
1: but it was cut down by about 14 days. There was rumors that West had a nervous breakdown while filming this movie. But then I read that later on that he denied it and, you know, that that's not really true. So there's a little little bit of controversy there. Um, And Shatner was 44 when he made this movie. He definitely looked a bit younger.
0: He looked great, Um, man, especially for for that that era. Like in the 70s, people aged, man. Shatner looked like a young, young dude, man. I can't believe he was 44. Yeah, and Ida Lupino playing his mother was fifty-seven.
1: <laughs> 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 but I'll say, but in true seventies fashion, she looked older than fifty-seven. Yeah. Like, okay. you know, yeah, definitely. He, he looked like an like an older older woman. Goodness gracious. Um. But, yeah, apparently, like I said, Travolta re- received a, a copy of this uh, before filming it in, in Durango in, in January of 75, a copy of Dynamics. Hmm. Might have let him, let him down the path, so to speak. Uh, the thing is, I don't know. I, I had said before we, we got rolling that it gets a little a little confusing um, but the, the, the gist of it is that the Corbis guy is going after the Preston family. But is it ever established that the current Preston family, living in the 70s, now they're not—they're the, not reincarnated. They, they are just related to the, the, the family from like the 1400s, right? Like well, they their descendants.
0: What I what I took out of that is that they are like cuz like you remember when they're they're they have like that satanic ritual and he's uh referring to Mark Preston as Martin Fife Martin Fife yes so i think that they are their ancestors like Martin Fife is the ancestor of Mark Preston you know what i mean right the
1: prestons are the ancestors
0: of the yeah. fife correct yeah and that's again. he was drawing that consciousness like into mark preston because his family Cause they knew about the book, like the whole Preston family. Remember they, they were aware of what, what they had.
1: Yeah. There's an the interesting beginning. Um, it's raining and you know uh, the father who we don't really know much about.
0: We don't, the, we don't know the, anything about him at all.
1: actually. The Preston comes into the house and his face is already melting. Okay. Now, if you know about this movie, you know about the infamous melting. Melting scenes at the end, but at the very beginning, it's just raining out regularly. And why is the dad's face melting already? <laughs> That's kind of like, we don't know. I don't know. Do you know?
0: No, I don't.
1: <laughs> um, and he's warning them that Corvus is looking for the book and he's coming to get everybody and he wants to get the family. And there's a few weird moments in the beginning. And then, <laughs> um, William Shatner goes to the car to go over to where Corbis is to to confront him. And at the car, there's like a voodoo doll or whatever. And then he goes back to the house. And somehow the cult has already been in the house. And like three seconds have passed. Like, I thought that was... You know what I'm saying? How was that even conceivable that the cult got into the house and strung up the guy and stole the mom in literally a
0: minute? (laughs) <laughs> i yeah. guess it's because they're worshipers yeah that's that's <laughs> definitely dead. not uh yeah i could see that you know that that's that's uh an editing uh problem i guess in the film yeah.
1: i think that's just devil magic mike it was you know you had to have the uh you had to just let it go
0: you know de- it's de- devil devilry
1: <laughs> it's devilry it's damn devilry yeah. And uh, it, probably one of the reasons why this ended up on Roger Ebert's most hated films list. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Roger Ebert's a weird guy. This is one of his most hated films lists. The Last House on the Left is fucking awesome.
2: <laughs>
1: Interesting dude. But anyway, um, yeah, there, there are moments in this movie where you kind of just need to let the some logic stuff, kind of slide.
0: Would would you would it be fair to say that? Yeah, because like I just enjoyed the the, the overarching story it was cool. Where it's like you get this guy Corbis who's um you know in league with the devil. You know he's like uh, into some kind of uh satanic witchcraft from way back in the colonial times. And I don't know if you caught this, but they commented about the church that he's in. And they're saying that oh yeah, I've seen this in New England before. So yeah, yeah. And they cut back to Corbis and uh, uh, Mark Martin Fife, you know, the the ancestor to Mark Preston. You know, they're dressed mm-hmm. up like fucking pilgrims. You know, what I mean, they got the big buckles. And right, all this they go shit. back
1: to the, I believe the 1400s, 300 years uh, uh, earlier. Right, 14 yeah. something. Yeah. Uh, those were interesting scenes. I actually would have liked to have seen a little more of that. Um, and they end up burning Corbus at the stake, you know, but they also burn uh, the Fife family at the stake.
0: Right, because they're, they're uh, also part of his satanic congregation, though. But the, the wife betrays Corbus and steals the book, and that's how it gets into yeah. the Preston family that is correct and that's how the names end up in the book and you know
1: it's 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 not super linear (laughs) you know it's um like i said it's kind of just like a romp it's a satanic romp guys
0: that's that's what we're that's kind of looking at here no but corbis is aware of all the hundreds of years that have passed though you know what i mean he's basically the same guy and but the uh the Preston family, all that, all those memories are like obscured. Like they don't have any, any recollection or any real knowledge as to, you know, being part of his satanic, you know, cult back in the day. And, you know, they're mm-hmm. they're not a hundred percent aware of it. They know they have this book and they have to, you know, that Corbus is after them and there's this like this feud spanning hundreds of years. Right. Now, aside from
1: the book, there's a, uh something else of note there is the the, the ornate glass bottle known as the, the, the devil's ring which contains the souls of all of corvus's disciples you know from from back in the in the 1400s um you know and it, of course it, it p- plays a big part on the, the movie's title and like the you know the, the plot of the film and what happens to all these people um and you have to mention Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt ends up is the is the other brother, uh, basically, uh, Shatner's character in trying to kind of rescue mom and dad, gets kind of caught himself, right? And he he gets he gets the eyes treatment. I'm gonna call it the eyes treatment, where he's <laughs> been like. Ordained and put under the, you know, under the the spell of Corvus and all that shit. Everybody kind of has like no eyes and a little bit of like a fucked up face. It's pretty kind of sick looking, um, actually. The the, the special effects are actually pretty good for seventy
0: five. Would you would you say? Yeah, they they have like this really cool like art direction in the film. You know, what I mean like the effects are good. All the Satan stuff, like the horns, the pentagrams, all that shit. You know, and of course the infamous uh, melting scene at the end, which. That scene goes on for like eight minutes, I think. Oh yeah, like they and, didn't really and, fucking milk that. You know what I mean? Well, and,
1: well, and of course, what adds to the you know authenticity is, I think, La- Lavey's uh, overseeing and Lavey's influence, because you know apparently they got all the di- they got all like the, the the chantings and the phrasings and the dialogues and it looks right for the time, um, to give it that you know extra satanic authenticity. Or my mom would often say when I was a kid and I'd be listening to metal music, satanic. Yes. You would say satanic. It was very funny. Um, that's satanic music, Michael. Um, but yeah, uh, the ending is wild. Um, you know, the movies from 1975, we're going to talk about the ending folks. Uh, and it's called the devil's reign. And the, the they smash the, the, the globe and the, the, the souls, you know, get released and the rain begins and it smashes through the church and eventually everybody kind of everybody who's a devil basically starts melting and it is really fucking sick to watch and there's this non-stop droning of moaning that goes on for me. yeah <laughs> it's like in the background and there's creep music and yeah it is it is fucking cool i mean you know i Again, it, it, the movie is over forty something years old. I think it's it's a great horror ending scene. No?
0: Yeah. It's what what, what I always imagine is like, you know, when they're making this movie, the effects guys like, all right, cool, we got this this really cool angle, you know, and let's just go hard with it because they do. Yeah. It's like yeah. tons of face meltings, you know, and it's like. I guess what they did is like, it's a wax, basically a wax mask that they fucking blast air on it and it melts, you know? Mm. And uh, everything just kind of like, it's, it's really cool looking.
1: Here's the thing, though, that is a little confusing. Well, there's a couple confusing things in the movie. Why are Shatner, his mother, and, like, why do people who, who you would think once this spell is broken and they've been released, why are they also killed and melted to death? You know what I'm saying? Like, I thought that was very weird that everybody who was a part of the satanic cult past and present dies. Why were their lives not spared?
0: I don't know. That's uh, that's one of those, yeah. uh, you know, inconsistencies, I guess, in this movie is like there's no yeah, logic or anything. I would have thought that they would have made it because... As characters,
1: they are also surprised that they're dying. Like Ida Lupino's character seems very, like, shocked that she's dying, I feel like. Because they're kind of under the spell of Corbus. They didn't want to be um, trapped like this, I don't think, you know. Um, But I, I think I might be able to answer my own question. Is that because of the ancestry? Because their ancestors were devil worshippers. These five were devil worshippers. Yes, they were. Um, and maybe their fate was already sealed. That could be it, Shatner and and, and everybody, but not Tom Skerritt. Tom Skerritt's character is the hero, uh, and he has to actually and his girlfriend, which we'll get to that. Um, his girlfriend, uh, basically, you know, they, they managed to kidnap her, and what's her deal? Is she does she have like she have like a, a psychic?
2: Yeah, yeah, kind of.
1: I was going on there. Right. She does. Yes, she does. <laughs> uh, that's also not 100 percent fleshed out, but, um, <laughs> you know, hey, it's 1975 um, and it didn't have a huge, huge budget. Um, but at the very end of the movie, Scarrett and the girlfriend and, and the doctor uh, are, are left standing and the church is burning. And everyone is seemingly dead, including Corbis in his, his deep demonic form. But it has a great 70s twist ending, uh, folks. Um, Tom Skerritt is embracing his girlfriend. And when his girlfriend uh, faces the camera, it is, in fact, Corbis. Uh, basically, Corbis was able to inhabit the girlfriend in the midst of the scuffle. Or like, how do you think that worked?
0: Uh, that, I don't know because they show her, uh, suffering in, in the new, uh, devil's reign <laughs> that somehow right. he, uh, he came up with like another vessel to start putting souls in, but I don't recall her ever signing yeah, yeah. a book or anything.
1: She, like ends up, huh? she ends up kind of in like the glass rainy chamber, which by the way, I don't know why I got the weird beyond vibes at the very, very end of the movie. I don't know. It reminded me of the beyond a little bit. Um, what do you call it? Like where she's trapped and they just show her face. It has this great fucked up seventies ending guys um, that you're going to love if you haven't seen it. And if you've already seen it, you probably already enjoy it where like the, the the, the title sequence is going down and then you just see her face and she's yelling and then her face just like, she just looks blankly at the screen almost like, right. Mm, Fucking creepy. It it is
0: man. And I feel like the seventies is when they really uh, went deep with the with the the uh, the unhappy endings, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah,
1: to- totally. Now, what I mean is, I've always been, often thought about why. Like, is it a reaction to this to what the sixties was supposed to be? Is it a reaction to the fucking Vietnam War? Is it a reaction to like the just what was happening in the country? There was like economic like why was everything so down? You know. I
0: mean, that's negative. yeah. I mean, that that's the birth of just that whole <laughs> that whole style. You, know, you look at all the crime films that came out. You know, Taxi Driver, like Taxi know. Driver, and- yeah, everything was pretty dark. Like it's you know, it, it's
1: like was the Muppet Show the only ray of light, and, so- and the Love Boat? Like everything else was like dark. You had like the Night Stalker. You had a shit ton of horror movies, and you had yeah, you had a lot of, lot of- Dank dark stuff, you know. Interesting time. You know, you know? I'd like to. I was born.
0: <laughs> I'd, I'd like to find um, a collection of the Night Stalkers, man. You know, Kolchek's Night Stalker. I'd like to oh, see if I can so grab great. some of those, man. I haven't seen him forever. So great! They're the
1: two individual move uh, after the TV show. there were like two. There was well, there's the one one-shot movie that kicked off the show. Like first, it was a TV movie that you can get. I have that, and then there was a second movie. Uh, there's the Night Stalker movie, and then there's the Night Strangler movie, and then there's the TV series. I'd recommend everything because they're all fucking awesome, very cool shit. Um, and they actually are the they're the precursor to a lot of things. Uh, what's his name? The guy who created X Files said there would be no X Files without uh, the Night Stalker, and a bunch of other horror luminaries have have cited it as as a very big influence. It's a cool show. Um, but yeah, 70s, as you know, it's I guess it's been said to death that, uh, uh, how the 70s were super into these very dark, sad endings and depressing endings and negative endings. But I don't know, pop music in the 70s was very sappy. It wasn't so dark. <laughs> it was, you know, yeah. 90s, the darker, uh, you know, music, I think. The 70s had a lot of like sappy love songs. Hmm, weird. Yeah, but you know, in popular culture,
0: yeah, the beat, you know, the Bee Gees and uh, you know, disco was big Mm in the 70s, you know, right? Right? Um,
1: I don't know, fascinating. I'm sure there's like a great book that goes more in uh, more than one book that dives deeper into why movies were so like this. You know, Uh, I'd love to check it out.
0: They're out there,
1: that's for sure. Oh. Totally, and you know we're still talking about the '70s, and we're well—you know—we're in 2021, so that, that means something. um What do you give the Devil's Reign, Mike, on well, our scale of one to five?
0: Before I give my rating, I just want to say that, like, there, there's—if you look at just the components that make up this movie, there, you know, maybe the editing was fucked up or whatever, or maybe you know they—they mm-hmm. were in a hurry to make this, but there really were a lot of cool parts in this movie, in the story itself. You know, you got the, the cursed family, you got this, uh, container filled with souls. You got a book of, uh, names of people who signed their souls to the devil, Satan. <laughs> you know, You got Corbis. Who's kind of almost like this, uh, immortal. Really? You know, like this kind of immortal.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, he's almost like a vampire or something like that. Like a satanic presence. You got the, the 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 girl the the um, the wife of the of um, Tom Scarrett who has the psychic abilities, right? Yeah. You got the great face melting scenes. You got this insane imagery. All of those elements. There's a lot to like. A lot to like. All those elements would have been great if they maybe this had been like edited differently or it was a little bit more. The writing was a little bit more together. Um, so yeah, it's great. But I still. Because I've continually watched the, watch and rewatch this movie. I'm still going to give it a four, even though it's not a good movie. <laughs> okay, you know what? I am on the same page as you, and I also give it a four. Like, I think three
1: and a half is not – I think I like it more than three and a half, you know? Sorry. My cat is crashing our show. Like, it's- Doyle is going wild right now. He just jumped on the phone. But uh, I'm giving it a four. Maybe Doyle really liked Devil's Rain too. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, but, uh, or he's very upset because of the lack of cat characters in the film. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's this great quote about it, uh, the movie, from uh, a 2010 book called Showgirls, Teen Wolves, and Astro Zombies from Australian film reviewer Michael Adams. He says, The Devil's Rain is the, actually the ultimate cult movie it's about a cult as a cult following was devised with input from a cult leader and saw a future superstar indoctrinated into a cult, which he popularized. There you go. (laughs) It's true. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, about a satanic cult. The movie does have a cult following. It had cult cult leader, Anton LaVey as an advisor. And then of course you have (laughs) John Travolta, you know, connection so it kind of goes full circle really
0: yeah i mean it's a fun movie you know if uh you're you're bored and you got nothing to do on a sunday afternoon i highly recommend this (laughs) one you know it's on prime it's
1: It's a great saturday sunday afternoon movie for sure or even you know even a night movie i mean i watched it like last night just to keep it fresh you know i'd seen it several times before but uh, I just really enjoy the hell out of the extras on uh, the Blu-ray from Severin, um, which yeah I believe is, is still in print. So you could definitely fucking pick it up. Um, I don't know. As far as like, with Race with the Devil, I be, you know, it's a better movie. But they're great double feature, like to have them together, you know, to watch them
0: together, I think. I would love to see this in a movie theater as a double feature sometime. That would be Ooh, great. Yeah. Oh, that would be amazing. That I would know. be so cool. Like at the Nighthawk cool. or something like that. That'd be cool. Oh, yeah. That would be great. And uh, <laughs> funny
1: tidbit. Apparently at a con in 2010, Ernest Borg, or Borg I said... Uh, he barely. He made no money. That this was a mob financed movie. <laughs> and the mob took all the money. Oh my god. I mean, come. I, I look. He got. He. That. That's probably not a hundred percent of a lie. But you know, it's fucking hilarious. Is, is what it funny.
0: is. That's funny though. Um,
1: <laughs> I, you know, Fuest was quite an interesting character apparently. And if there was some type of shenanigans with the financing. It, it, it's very possible, um, you know, uh, but I mean, even just stories like that make it kind of cooler, you know,
2: <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, it does, man. It's it, I always like those back background like stories, especially when there's something really dodgy like that. And uh, on the website, Den of Geek, for further reading,
1: there's a wonderful article about this movie called The Devil's Reign, one of the strangest horror movies of all time uh, from October 20th, 2015, uh, by Jim Niffle, uh, really cool, interesting article to check out about the movie, a little bit more about the backstory and, and the making of it. And, uh, yeah, I would, I would recommend that article from den of geek. So, I'll um, check that out, man. yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh wanted to just say, uh, we talked about the article from taste of cinema regarding, uh, The American Giallo films, uh, 15 great thrillers influenced by Italian Giallo films. And that same website published a bit of an updated article back in 2020 uh, regarding uh, the American Giallo films. And and they give their their top 10. Uh, I'm not going to run it down. You can check out the article. But, yeah, their their number one was, of course, No Surprise, Dress the Kill. So I thought it was interesting, Um, which we covered uh, a few weeks back. And of course, we loved. Um, But uh, two oddities on this list that are worth mentioning is the inclusion of Friday the 13th, part one uh, from 1980 and the inclusion of the editor. And I just take umbrage. I take umbrage more with the editor because the editor is a spoof and it's not American. It's Canadian. <laughs> so, lights on this list of ten best American jail films of all time is the writer not aware there's a Canadian film and that it's it's a spoof? Like, can you include a
0: spoof in in a, in a list like this? That's my question to you, Michael. No, I don't think so. And we love the editor. We love Astron Six. We yes, love the we editor. Love, no, we love it. But it's, I mean, in a way, it's a. Yeah, it is a great jail film, but
1: it's kind of, it's taking the piss on Joe. So it's like, I don't know. Is history of the world, a great history film? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, is I mean, I'll say this. It's funny. I even just said that out loud because I've always maintained that I've learned about history from that fucking movie, but no, it is not a great history movie. It's a great comedy movie.
0: <laughs> I found that odd. And also Friday the 13th, obviously to me, is not a giallo film no I, i'm not joining that crowd that, that crowd
1: there's a whole it's a big facebook crowd that now throws it around you know and, and twitter and instagram that throws that in the list and i'm just like nope maybe in form, maybe it's got some moments and it has an unseen killer and whatever but no i, I, I and the twist ending sure but it's missing about fifteen other things I think that would that would classify it as a giallo film. I don't know. Yeah, I mean there's to the, me it's a quintessential horror film. Quintessential American horror film. It is. I love Fire the Thirteenth Part One. But it I don't consider it American Jallo. I don't.
0: No, they don't have the camera work. There isn't uh you know, the the certain like the black gloves or like the uh, the kinky sex. You know how like there's always this like real no, sexy I mean, vibe. You
1: know. <laughs> Sex, it
0: has sex, it has,
1: you know, I mean, there it has some elements, but I don't know, not nearly as much as the rest of the films on this list and and nearly, I mean, put it up next to Cruising, or, you know, no way. It's just not at all. Um, <laughs> another thing about uh, Friday the 13th, I, I'm about to do a big deep dive on the entire series because my brother John My brother, John, uh, on the uh, really awesome comedy podcast, Break the Apocalypse, that you should all check out, is now uh, at a crossroads where he's starting to think that the better franchise next to Halloween is Friday the 13th. And he he is like, I'm telling you, you're sure Halloween won. Everybody loves it. It's amazing. But watching the, the 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 other Friday the 13th movies like two three four and even five and six he's like I don't know man these might be way better films than all these other Halloween movies hmm I'm like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna entertain that thought because my immediate answer is that Halloween is a superior franchise that's my immediate answer but maybe it, it needs some fresh eyes the Friday the 13th franchise I don't
0: know what do you think? Well, I'm not a big Friday the 13th fan, you know, and, and, you know, I like Michael Myers. I like the John Carpenter, uh, you know, one and two are are brilliant, but you and I, we, we covered four and five and, and we kind of like started seeing the cracks developing, you know?
1: Yeah. Yes, exactly. Now I have always maintained that I like the first four Friday the 13ths a lot. And particularly the first two. Um, but I've, I've always heard that, like, no, you, you really got to check out some of these other ones. And I'm like, I think I've seen all of them at once, right? And uh, hitting the 30-year mark for a bunch of them since the last time I've seen some of them. So maybe they do need a, a, a rewatch. But I do know that, like, one, two, three, and four are, are solid. And they have these solid kill scenes and, like, the music is great. The Harry Manfredini music is fucking dope. And, you know, they're not shitty horror films. Um, I feel like through four and five of Halloween, four, five, and six through Halloween, I am often reminded that these are subpar horror films. Now, again, a little controversial. I enjoy those movies. Um, but maybe it is time to do a, a slightly deeper dive into the Friday the 13th franchise. I don't know. Because I really do enjoy those first two quite a bit.
0: Well, you know what? Around Halloween, there was a, uh, like on iTunes, there was some kind of special to get the entire um, Friday the 13th series, which Mm -hmm. I went ahead and and purchased it. Ah, okay. But I haven't watched the entirety of the franchise I've only watched the first, hmm. rewatched the first two, um, you know, uh, movies. Maybe I should. Maybe maybe that's uh, something we should do. Is uh, is we talk. might have to do that. I mean, I would love to cover. Uh, I mean, like the first
1: two or the first one at some point. Uh, they're great kind of spring, summer horror films. Um, you know, getting to the summer camp and uh, the changing weather. Yeah. Um, I don't like writing the thirteenth movies in the winter. I'm I'm a weird seasonal guy. They're not winter movies. They're spring, fall movies. I feel like for thirteen movies, um, spring, summer, fall kind of mood. Um, but I don't know. It, it's just funny because I, I appreciate my brother John's uh, horror opinion and his movie opinion, and he he's you know he, he kind of just little something off in my head. So and I thought you would appreciate that too.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I I think that if you we know, we got time, man, it's like like I said, it's March. You know, we could. We should do that. Yeah, yeah,
1: we could we could do this. But I do
0: remember our our third co
1: host, Jeff, barely now does he doesn't he loathe the Friday thirty
0: franchise? Yeah, he's not, or did he's I not a, here. Yeah, he doesn't like it. So
1: oh, he is not a fan of Jason. No, he is not a fan. So I mean, I'm I not really
0: a fan either. With... I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I like I liked the Michael Myers character. I'm not really a uh, Jason Voorhees type of character. Uh, hey,
1: him. I have a Michael Myers tattoo, man. You don't got to tell me.
0: Yeah. But you know,
1: I it's it, it's interesting. It's like, what if you've been backing the wrong franchise, my brother <laughs> said. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, well, I don't know about that. But, you know, I just, here's the problem. I just think that 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 first Halloween is so good and that we all know that there wouldn't be a Friday the 13th without it that it's hard to
0: shake that, right? I mean, if you, the the reality is like if you take the first movie of each one of those franchises, like the John Carpenter, just that film just destroys Friday the 13th just as a film. You know what I mean?
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. That's fair. No, that's very fair. It crushes it. Um, but I, I
0: enjoy the first Friday the 13th more than the first Nightmare on Elm Street. Am I crazy for that? I can go with that. I'm not, once again, like I think that I, I like the idea of Freddy Krueger. I like uh, two and three Nightmare on Elm Street. <clears throat> Pretty okay. I, like, I like both of those, actually. And, I uh, really love the first one. Hmm. Which the, the is three. The one that's like super homoerotic. It's like, uh, that's the
1: second one. That's the second one. The second one. There's yeah. a, great, a great documentary
0: about that on shutter. I watched it. Scream queen. Yeah. You yeah I, watch I watched queen. it too. It was really oh, yeah, interesting.
1: Very good. Yeah, Really good. That guy was seem such a, like a good, nice, likable guy who got really fucking fucked over. I thought, um, uh, highly recommended documentary, by the way. um, but that's the thing for me like nightmare on elm street has taken the backseat like my whole life to uh halloween and friday the 13th so that's another one i, I you know again I, I think i've seen them all once except for the first one i've seen that way more than once but um yeah like the sequels it's you know diminishing returns you know you know what i'm saying um but i don't know these movies are now rated like these are the modern fucking, you know, universal horror films. You know what I'm saying? These are the, the new fucking Dracula's Frankenstein's and Wolfman's Jason, Freddie, Michael and Leatherface, you know? Um, so people are really like guarded about these franchises. Like there's all these super nerds of these franchises, And I've always believed that I've been in the Michael Myers Halloween franchise. Okay. however, I do really like Jason, and I want to do a deeper Jason dive. And I'm saying it on our show, Necromania. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna do the same. Like I said, I got that the digital set, you know, of okay. the entire series. So I, I'm gonna go for it. Um, you know, since we're talking about the '80s and fr- pseudo well franchises, a pseudo franchise would be Hellraiser, and that that after the yeah. first two Hellraisers,
1: it, oh, it really man. took
0: a dump, I- man.
1: You don't, you really look, you could say you only need one and two and three, but some three, isn't that great. I you mean, three, either. I like, for reasons. to I mean, some could say you only need one. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's weird. Like, um, I think it's like about your memories and, and like, you know, we, we grew up and, and where we were when these movies came out, they kind of hold a different place because every now and again, I see Hellraiser getting dissed
0: by people, which is, shocking to
1: me but it is what it is
0: hellraiser one and two are fucking classics man and i, I routinely watch both of those movies like i'll i'll put hellraiser on one like hellraiser one I'll, I'll just throw that on that's like one of those things that i'm like you know i'm bored i don't want to go to bed yet let me put on hellraiser and i'll watch it oh wow nice you know and, and i just everything about it man like uncle frank you know the whole thing yeah. I always Netflixing. trip out on that character because like the two the two guys look nothing alike and they, they, they don't even seem related. You know what I mean?
2: <laughs> like Frank Frank
0: looks like he grew up in like Staten Island or something like that. You know what I mean? Yes.
2: And like yes. the other
0: guy's like not doesn't have anything remotely resembling him.
1: And like yeah, yeah, so fucking funny, and just the music, man. The Christopher uh, Williams—that his name? Awesome. I just fucking love that score. Oh my god, I have the—I had the cassette of it back when I was in high school and shit. I have a nice vinyl copy of it now. Just so cool. One of the best horror scores ever,
0: I think. I'm gonna say something provocative right now about Hellraiser. I'm gonna say mm-hmm. the comic book series that came out do more for elevating that f- the film than than the sequels do. Oh, 100% because they get
1: very dark, they get very intellectual. Yeah. they get very, like that like Marvel had that property and they had it I believe under the, the ep- epic, epic line, like yeah. And man, they just they treated it like serious.
2: <laughs> okay?
1: They treated it Dead, dark, serious, Special, those the, the whole first run of it, okay, in the prestige format. There was no snark. There was no one-liners. They treated it really serious. And uh, for the metal death metal heads out there, uh, Miran Kim, uh, the, the woman who did a lot of incantation and a bunch of other bands' artwork, she did the art on a bunch of those issues. Did you know that? I did. Yeah, her art is fucking awesome. Oh, my God. Something about her covers and, like, the, the Incantation covers, and th- it's like that's hell. Like, that's what hell looks like. You know what I'm saying? And and she translated that into several issues of, of fucking Hellraiser. Um, seek those out, people. If, you, if you're a fan of Incantation
0: or, you know, horror art and shit like that, seek out those back issues of the Hellraiser comic. I would say that if you watch Hell the movies, Hellraiser 1 and 2, don't watch any of the sequels after that, but read the comics. <laughs> you're going to be you're going to be in good shape, I think.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not you're not off base. No, I don't think you're wrong. But this was a great fucking tangent, man. We went a couple <laughs> different places. But we we touched on a lot of I think important things to think about for the fans. The listeners and for ourselves. How about that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and it's all horror. That's the that's the best part. <laughs> all righty, this was a fun one. And uh, I don't know. I think the next time Mike Hill and I get together, it might be a non-devil film. It might be it might be a third devil film. You never know. We, we will see what uh, our next episode brings, right, Mike? That's right. <laughs> We're just going to roll the dice. We're going to roll the dice, yeah. But uh, thank you, everybody, for checking us out. Please make sure to subscribe to us on any of the wonderful services in which you're hearing us. Um, if you're an Apple listener, why don't you put a little review in there? That, uh, I, we, we love checking those out. We read those. And I think they helped the show, you know, put a little rating, a little five star, four star, whatever, you know, whatever tickles your fancy. Um, we appreciate it very much. And uh,
0: thank you. All right, everyone, take care. And we'll see you. Talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. Won't see you, but we'll talk to you next week. We'll see you. We'll be talking to you. Take care, everybody. Take care. <laughs>